Hey, good morning. My name's Ellis. I'm one of the pastors here. Real pleasure to be with you here this morning. Particularly, a warm welcome to any of you who are new with us. We're really glad that you decided to join us this weekend. We're closing out this Get In The Game series that we've been in for the last few weeks. And if you were here the last two weeks, then you heard Pastor Mark milk his one personal sports story for all that it was worth. I I admit, I go to all three of our weekend services, but I must have heard that story a dozen times in the last two weeks about the West Valley Rams, I'm telling you. Well, I have a few personal sports stories, uh, but if you hadn't guessed or you didn't know, I didn't grow up around here. I grew up in the South of England, and there we play some different sports. One of those is rugby. I first started playing rugby when I was 11, and as with whenever you begin a new sport, you need to determine what position you are going to play in the team. Now, rugby teams have 15 players, and they're divided roughly in half, but not Not in the silly way that you divide those American football teams in half, where you have like an offense team and a defense team. No, no, rugby's a proper sport. Everyone plays both offense and defense. So a rugby team is divided in half, but it's divided into backs and forwards. And loosely speaking, the backs, sorry, the forwards do all the hard work and the backs get all the glory. Naturally, I wanted to be a back. However, backs need to be slim, fast, have great ball handling skills, and wonderful hair. An 11-year-old Ellis was chubby, slow, couldn't pass the ball more than 10 yards, and had terrible hair. So, (laughs) I became a forward. And over the years, I I tried out different positions within the forwards. I eventually landed in the role, age 15, of blindside flanker. But then I got this new coach. His name was Mr. Phelan. And Mr. Phelan decided to switch me back to a former position that I had played. And this position was called prop. And if forwards do all the hard work, then props undoubtedly do the hardest of the hard work. They're, uh, They're a little bit like inside offensive linemen in football, all right? You never notice they're there until they screw it up. And then you criticize them and lambast them because they're not doing their job. It's the same thing for props in rugby. All of the really seriously hard work and none of the glory whatsoever. So to to say that I was happy about this move to prop would not be true. I was far from it. And yet, Mr. Phelan saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, because that year I went on to be the only boy from my team to represent my country in the sport of rugby. The last two weeks we've been preaching through this series entitled Get In The Game. And Pastor Mark has been sharing that as followers of Jesus, we have a choice. We can choose to stand on the sideline and let the professionals play this game of of Christianity, or we can do what, what I believe Jesus has called every one of us to do, which is to get in the game ourselves, get our hands dirty, and start playing. 
Last week, he shared with us from a letter one of the early church leaders, Paul, wrote to a church in the city of Corinth. And in that letter, Paul talked about something that Pastor Mark called the secret source that's available to followers of Jesus who get in the game, the Holy Spirit. And we had this amazing moment at the end of our services last week where we invited the Holy Spirit to come and we just waited to see what he wanted to do. And I I know many of you have reported that you you tangibly felt the Spirit's presence and and, and some have even reported that they they were healed as a result of the Spirit's ministry during that time last week. It was, it was truly amazing. And we're going to continue in that same passage that Pastor Mark was sharing from last week, but we're going to be talking about what positions we play in this team that we call the church. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 12. You can grab your, your Bible app on your phone or, or look on the screen and follow along as we read together. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. I want to make three points this morning. And the first point I'd like to make is you have a position. In the passage we read, Paul uses an illustration for the church, and it's that of the human body. He says that just as the human body has many members, hands, feet, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, so does the church have many members. But yet just as the human body is united together into one cohesive whole, so is the church, though with many members, united together by one spirit through one baptism into a unified whole. And although each member has a a different role to play, when they come together, united by the spirit, they work together towards one common objective as the body of Christ, the church. And without all of these members of the body working together, the church cannot attain its full potential. In many ways, it's like a sports team. There are many different positions on a sports team, like I was explaining with rugby earlier. Within the the backs and and the forwards, you, you break it down even further. There's fullbacks, wingers, centers, Fly halves, scrum halves, number eights, flankers, locks, props, and the one that makes every American titter, hookers. <laughs> every position has a different role to play, and it requires different characteristics, but together, united together, they form one team. And the team wouldn't function to its fullest potential if every person wasn't playing in their own position, playing their own role within the team. And the church is like a team. Every member of the church has a position to play within the body. And if everyone is is playing their position well, the church will reach its potential to impact the world for Jesus. 
But if even one person is sitting on the sideline or, or one person is only giving it half the amount of effort, the church cannot reach its full potential. It's held back. Every single one of us has a position to play in this team that is the church. You have a position to play. Every single one of you. So that's the first point. You have a position. The second is this. I think we must discover our position. You must discover your position. We've all been made by God in in different ways. We've all been created uniquely. And I think we all have different positions that God calls us to play. This, This is how Paul continues later on in the passage. I'm going to jump forward to verse 27. He says this, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? See, Paul tells us that that God has appointed many different people to positions within the church. God has designed each one of us to fit and carry out a certain role or position within this team. And no one plays all the roles. That's what's meant by all of those questions that are asked in the passage. Each one of us has a unique fit and a place within the team. And so God has, has initiated this. He's, he's designed us. He's created us in this way. He's, he's called us to that. But I think our role in this process is to discover what is the position that God has called us to play. When I was 18, I, I got to take a trip with, with my youth group. I went to western rural Kenya there were 20, 26 of us on the team, so not quite 100 and some that, that you guys have. But it still felt like a, a large team at the time. And that trip really gave me the chance to get in the game, to, to just start playing. I, I, I got to lead worship on that trip. I, I got to pray for the sick in their homes. I got to develop skits with my team that we, we shared with children in schools to, to teach them Bible stories. I, I even got to preach in a Kenyan church. And as I got in the game and and just started playing, it became more and more apparent what I was gifted at, what I was passionate about, what, what suited my temperament. But the most transformative thing that happened on that trip was actually an exercise that the leaders got every single person to do. They asked us to go away and spend some time with the Lord and, and, and pray through each of the 25 other members on the team and, and, and ask God, how, God, have you gifted this person? How have you fit them? What role or position are you calling them to play within the body of Christ? And so we wrote all of these down on 25 pieces of paper and, and we handed them in a couple of days later. And then they got collated. And so I received this envelope within which were were contained 25 prayed over handwritten notes 
from people saying, Alice, I believe God has gifted you in this way. I believe God is calling you to this. I believe this is the role where you fit in the body of Christ. And, and as an 18-year-old who, who had no idea what I was going to do with my life, no idea really what my fit was, what, what my position was, this was an incredibly encouraging, affirming, and ultimately transformative process that I got to go through. You see, the, the same things came up again and again and again in the notes that people had written. Leadership, teaching, wisdom, worship leadership. As you know, this week I, I went and grabbed that envelope and, and I started reading through the notes again for the first time in years. And I was brought to tears as I saw how so many years ago God could speak through those people in a way that was almost prophetic of what was to come. And that God could be faithful to me through those intervening years to continue to prepare me and shape me and put me in the positions and the roles that those people had called out in me. Now, those two weeks in Kenya gave me the opportunity to discover my position, what my position might be within the church. And I think it was because I did two things. And I think these two things apply generally to all of us who are, who are trying to discover what our position is. And those two things, I'd I'd just like to look at each of them and offer them as as a word of advice if you're trying to discover what your position is. So the first of those is to start serving. You know, I I went to Kenya and I just got stuck in. I just started playing the game. I, I, I just started serving wherever I could. Wherever I saw an opportunity, I jumped in. Wherever someone asked me to do something, I said, yes, I'll do it. I'll be there. And as I did that, it became really clear what God had gifted me for, what God had fit me for, and what God had not fit me for, and where I was not gifted, where I was not called. You know, I was grateful that there were so many opportunities to serve, so many ways that I could try out and see if they fit for me. And you know, you are a part of a church where there are so many different opportunities and ways that you can engage in service. Now, here are some examples. Our, our guest services team would love to welcome you onto the team as a greeter or as an usher, someone who's going to create this this amazing atmosphere on a weekend that as people come in from the outside, they feel like, wow, I feel so welcomed. I feel like I belong here. I feel like I'm part of the family. Our children's ministry would love to have you serve as as a teacher or a helper. Someone who who can come alongside kids, can spend time with them, play with them, can share about Jesus with them, elementary kids and nursery kids, just being there for them, helping them grow in their knowledge and love of the Lord. Our facilities team needs some practical help. They need help landscaping around the property. They need help making food in the food services ministry. They, They need help with security to keep us safe. Our local outreach team has opportunities for you, for you to be involved in reaching out to those less fortunate than us, serving the homeless, sorting through donated clothing, welcoming refugees. And, and if you're a techie, our tech team needs slide operators and camera operators as we're taking our steps towards live streaming our weekend services. You know, I, I found all of these opportunities and many others just by going on the serve page of our website. You know, maybe if you're trying to discover your position, one thing you could do is just start serving. 
Just get in the game. Just get involved in any way. It doesn't matter what way. And I believe as you do, you'll begin to discover where your fit is. So that's one way, one piece of advice. The second piece of advice is to start listening. Start listening. It was, it was through that exercise that I did with, with the other people on my team that I think I really discovered how God had called me. I listened to what those other people had to say, and it helped me to understand, discover more clearly my position. And you could do that very same exercise in your life group, if you're in a life group. If, if you're married, you could do that exercise with your spouse. Have your spouse speak those words. You speak those words into your spouse's life. Alternatively, we have this fantastic class starting this week called Custom Made. It's, it's designed to help you discover your position, to help you listen and, and reflect and, and even receive personalized coaching to help you understand how, how God has gifted you spiritually, how God has given you a certain heart or, or passion for things, how God has, has given you certain abilities or skills. You, you have a certain personality or a temperament that fits you. you. You have experiences that you bring. All of these things coming together, Custom Made is going to help you understand how that works together for you to discover the position that God has called you to. Now, I don't, I don't think the best way to discover our position is in isolation by ourselves. I believe the best way to discover it is in community with others. And that's why I'd encourage you to start listening. Start listening to people that you do know in your life. Ask them to speak into your life. Or start listening by coming to Custom Made and reflect upon how God might be speaking to you through that process. So, if you feel like, I need to discover my position, and those are two pieces of advice, start serving and start listening. Nevertheless, I think once you have discovered your position, and I know there are people here who feel like, yeah, I'm right there, I'm in my sweet spot, I think I've found it, I think I've found where God has called me to serve within the church. If you are there or when you get there, I think we still struggle sometimes with the position that God has called us to. And that brings me to the third point I want to make, which is this. You must live into your position. Live into it. You know, in the passage we began reading earlier, Paul goes on to talk about what I think are the two most common struggles that we have with living into our position. One is envy and the other is pride. And I want to look at them both in turn. So we'll start with envy. I know that in, in my Christian journey, I have frequently looked at the roles that others are playing in the church, and, and I've felt inadequate. In fact, it's, it's one of the reasons that I've quit social media, because I found myself constantly comparing myself to other churches, other ministries, other pastors, and it was just eating at my soul. It was just not good. It was creating this envy within me. Paul writes about this in the passage, starting going back to verse 14. This is what he says. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, 
that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Paul continues to to use this helpful image of the body to enable us to see that it's crazy for us to envy other parts of the body. Why? Because our position in the body is important in and of itself. Without our position, the whole body would malfunction. Yes, we, we might look at other parts and wish, oh, I wish, I wish I could be like them, or I wish I could do what they're doing, but, but God has created a unique role, a unique position, a unique place for you to be a part of the body. And that role is vital and important to the overall flourishing of the body of Christ. About seven years ago, I listened to a message by a a well-known preacher in the U.S. And the message was entitled, It's not a competition, it's a calling. It's not a competition, it's a calling. And it kind of became my mantra for a season because I realized that the envy had started to creep up in, in my heart. This kind of competitive spirit had started to creep up in my heart between myself and some of my colleagues. And I, I found it was creating division. I found it was preventing me from serving as fully as I might have been able to. And, and so I began repeating this phrase to myself. Whenever I felt that envy coming up, I, I said to myself, it's not a competition, it's a calling. It's not a competition, it's a calling. Because Every single one of us has a unique calling from God. And no one can steal that calling from you. I have a calling and no one can steal that. You have a calling. No one can steal that. There's not a competition for places on God's team. Every person gets to play. There is a position for every single one of us. And so if we find ourselves envying others, We've got to root that out. We've got to pull that out. And we've got to remember that we have a unique role and position to play on God's team. So I think one of the ways we can struggle as we live in into, into our position is envy. But, but almost on the flip side of it, I think the other way we can struggle is pride. Now, I, I know that, that at least I think I get to do some pretty cool stuff as part of my position on the team. Like, I get to stand up here and, and, and preach God's word to you. I, I get to stand up here and lead worship. And, and I recognize that, that those roles, those positions, they're relatively high profile. And so one of the biggest struggles for me, one of the things that I have to wrestle with so much is, is this issue of pride. I joked earlier about wanting the position in the rugby team that got all the glory, but that hasn't gone away as I've moved from a rugby team to a church team. I still struggle with that. And Paul recognized this would be an issue too. He said this, verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Paul is, is writing to those in the church who, who might be prone to think that, that they're more important than other people in the church. Perhaps he's writing to those who are in roles of leadership. I think this is so often the struggle for those who have a position of leadership. That they think somehow because they're leading others, they must be more important than those that they are leading. It can be really easy to let pride develop in our role and in our position. Now, when I, when I first started leading worship, and this, this sounds terrible now, but I, I had no idea what the sound person did, and I didn't really care. As far as I was concerned, they just kind of sat back there and, and moved some knobs and things, but uh, it's terrible. And I actually realized that what God, God began convicting me that what was going on there was not so much ignorance as pride, that actually I thought I was more important than the sound person. And so I had to have this, this realization of, do you know what? A worship leader is nothing without a sound person. I can stand up here and play and sing all day, but if the sound person turns me down, I can't lead anyone in worship. And not only that, but if, but if I want to thrive in that role, if I want to really lead people in worship and praise of God, I have to build a loving, trusting relationship with whoever that sound person is. And so as God began to convict me of this pride, I, I began to do just that. I began to get to know our sound people. I began to ask about them and their lives, get to know their family, their struggles, get to um, ask them if, if I could help them in any way. Is there anything I could do? I started to show up earlier so that I could be of service. I, I, I started to figure out how, how can I be praying for this person. I started to ask them for feedback. I started to say, hey, you're listening to the music. You're the one who's really thinking about it. Tell me, what could we do better? How could we better lead people in worship? Generally, I just began to treat them as more important than myself. Like, it's that simple. And yet it's so hard when that pride begins to develop. We've got to root that out or it'll create division in the body. It'll harm not only the overall effectiveness, but our effectiveness to play our position. You know, both these things, envy and pride, I think at the heart of the matter, it's, it's really the same thing. What we're really struggling with is what is my worth and what is my value? It comes out in different ways. Sometimes we feel unworthy or unvaluable, and sometimes we, we feel overworthy or overvaluable. But at the heart of it, that's what I think we're struggling with in both these issues. And here's the truth. Your worth is not tied to your position that you play. Your worth is tied to the position that Jesus played when he substituted himself in for you. We were the ones who deserved to be on that cross. We were the ones who'd rejected God. We were the ones who turned away from him. The wages of sin are death. It's our death that Jesus 
took upon himself. He took our position on the cross. Why? Because you are worth it. Because you are valuable in God's eyes. He made you. You are his. He redeemed you. He paid the highest price for you. He adopted you into his family. He calls you his sons and daughters. And he has given you the gift of his spirit. He loves you. You are worth an infinite amount in God's eyes. You are highly valued, highly prized possession of the Lord. And because of that, because of your worth, because of your value, because of his love for you, God the Father wants you to play on his team. You know, he's like a loving father who, who says to his, his son or his daughter, hey son, daughter, I want you to come out and do the yard work with me. You don't say it because you think you're going to get it done more effectively when your six-year-old daughter comes and helps you with the yard work. You say it because you love them. You want them to know that they have a place, that they have a purpose, and that you want to spend time with them. You want to work together on something with them. That is how God sees you. That is why you have a position to play in the team, because you are worth something to him. You are valuable to him, and he wants you on his team doing the work that he is doing in this world, reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus. You have a position to play because you are valuable in God's eyes. He has created a role, a position for you to play. He has called you to it. And yes, you might have to put some work in to discover exactly what that is. And if that's where you are, I just want to encourage you, start serving. Get on the website. Go to that serve page. Find some opportunities. Email the people. See what happens. See how God uses you. Start listening to others. Ask your life group or your spouse, how do you think God has gifted me? Register for custom made. You can do it right after this service. Beth Burgess, who teaches that class, is going to be back at the wood wall. Go back, register. Maybe your whole life group could go to custom made. Start listening, discovering how God has created you. And live into your position. Remembering that the envy and pride are real struggles, but at their heart... What we're really talking about is how valuable are we? And in God's eyes, you are incredibly valuable. If you had been the only person on this earth, Jesus still would have come and died for you. That's how valuable you are to God. So we're going to spend some time in prayer. And I just want us to take some time to reflect on on what our next step might be as a result of this series. So would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would fill us right now with your spirit. We've not received a spirit of slavery, but we've received a spirit of adoption, as sons, as daughters of God. I pray that you would help us to know how valuable we are how loved we are. God, if, if we haven't received that love from, from an earthly father or an earthly mother, God, I pray that you would heal 
that area of our life that we would know the love of our Heavenly Father who is good and perfect. And Lord, because of that worth and value that we have in your eyes, I pray that you would encourage us by that same spirit to to step out, take whatever that that next step might be. Would would your spirit reveal to us what what for each of us that next step is? I know it's it's different for every single one of us. But Lord, even now, would, would you be speaking to us by your spirit? giving us wisdom and insight to know what next step we need to take. And Lord, if that next step is just to repent of pride or repent of envy, I pray that you would, your spirit would convict us of that right now. I pray that you would help us to turn from that, to trust in your love for us. You don't desire a flawless performance. All you want is our broken, pure hearts, undivided hearts. So Lord, we give you our hearts here this morning. We give you our lives. We offer ourselves to you. We want to play on your team. We want to be a part of the the biggest rescue operation that's ever been undertaken. We want to be a part of the, the greatest movement that this world has ever known. We want to play our part in changing the face of eternity. We're yours, God. We ask that you take us and use us.